This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Ashley. And I'm Lacey, and this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in Virginia discussing the back-to-school killer. Then we'll talk about one of the most important people in the history of medicine. So buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the Old Dominion State. This is the first week of August, and you know what that means. Back to school time. While parents are busy buying school supplies and syncing up schedules, predators are unfortunately waiting in the wings. This isn't meant to freak parents out, but it's more of a gentle reminder. Kathy Padreas, a cybersecurity professional, posted a now viral TikTok about posting their children on social media. I'm sure you've seen the cute trend of a child standing beside a chalkboard, listing their grade and other fun facts. Kathy says, quote, some of them have the child's name, teacher's name, school, favorite sports or activities, And maybe you don't want a bunch of strangers knowing that. When kids are younger, if you're posting their school uniform or sports uniform, you're revealing where your kids are most days of the year. It's just extra vulnerable information. Other photo details to avoid include names on backpacks or lunchboxes, house numbers, and license plates, because a lot of times cyber criminals do use that information. I'm not being a gatekeeper here, And I'm not saying you shouldn't take these types of photos, but just be mindful of what information you share and who you're sharing it with. Morgan Dana Harrington was born on July 24th, 1989 in Charlottesville, Virginia. She was known as a shiny, loving, and beautiful original. Her mother said she was like champagne. She was bubbly and it was a party when she was there. She went on to study at Virginia Tech to become a teacher. The summer before her senior year, she worked at the Virginia Tech Carolion School of Medicine. Fall semester of her third year rolled around, and by that time, she was 20 years old. On October 17, 2009, she and three of her friends drove to the John Paul Jones Arena at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. They drove to the arena for a Metallica concert. Metallica was her favorite band. Around 8.30 p.m., she told her friend she was going to use the restroom. 18 minutes passed, which is kind of a long time when you're at a concert. I was going to say the opposite. Oh, really? Well, because the bathroom lines. Well, when the show's going on, though, you know, they're not as bad usually. That's true. But I don't know. But they called her cell because they felt like it was taking a while. And she said she accidentally got lost Mm -hmm. and exited their arena looking for the restroom. There's security that and big Exi- signs yeah. that say no reentry. Yeah, so it is odd that she exited. Because of their no reentry policy, she was not allowed back in. This is her favorite band. Oh my God. I know, I know. That would be so upsetting. Ugh. She told her friends not to worry about her and that she would find a way home. <gasps> no, just stand in the parking lot and listen. <laughs> she left the arena and started walking back home. After the concert, her friends tried calling her, but this time her cell was off. They looked around the arena and parking lot just in case she decided to stick around, but she wasn't there. Then, once they realized she never made it home, they called the University of Virginia police to report her missing. They quickly began searching for her at the arena where she was last seen. She was wearing a Pantera t-shirt, miniskirt, leggings, and boots. All black. Her purse and cell were found by someone in the overflow parking lot between the arena and athletic field. And the battery was removed from her phone. (gasps) Not good. At this point, the Virginia State Police take over the investigation, and they go on local news asking for any witnesses to come forward, and over 100 people do. So the arena security guards, like you were saying, remember seeing, quote, the pretty blonde, in the Pantera shirt that night. They warned her if she left, she couldn't go back in. And she insisted. So she 
wasn't so lost. That's what's odd. It's her favorite band, and it seems like why would she leave? But at the same time, you and I know, and it sounds like they confirmed that they said you can't come back in if you're out. I wonder and she did anyway. I wonder if she was secretly meeting somebody. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. So they said they let her walk out. You know, they're not. What are they gonna do? Yeah. Other witnesses describe seeing her in the parking lot afterwards, and some of them describe her as acting as though she was really drunk and erratic. These details are odd because her friends said she didn't seem intoxicated at all when they last saw her. Yeah, mm-hmm. she'd been drinking, yeah, but not erratic or anything. And, you know, she told her friends she got lost, not that she was actively trying to leave. So it's like they have two sides of what could have happened. Other witnesses saw her with a group of three or four men. But then one woman said she saw a woman matching her description on the Copley Road Bridge and said she was alone and hitchhiking. This was around 9.30 p.m. Man, there's just too many conflicting stories. Well, we know witnesses are... Yeah, it's faulty. And also, it's a Metallica concert. Everyone's going to be dressed in black. I mean, come on. I saw a blonde girl in black. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, hard to say for sure. Another woman claimed they saw Morgan with some men on campus around 3.45 a.m. And that's the last any witness said they saw her. Then the police looked through surveillance footage of all the cameras she could have appeared on, like all the concert venue cameras outside the campus, everything. No luck. They couldn't find her on anything. Just kind of weird. Massive searches are conducted of the entire area, including the tunnel system beneath the campus of UVA, which is terrifying. Oh, my God. A tunnel system? Mm. I want to go. Locals, police, students, search dogs, and helicopters searched everywhere they could have thought she could have been. Still, no luck. During her disappearance, $150,000 was accumulated for a reward to bring her loved ones to Morgan. Metallica contributed 50000 of that money. Dang. Yeah, and James Hetfield, the lead singer of Metallica, released a video asking anyone with information to come forward. I like that they got involved. That's nice. On January 26, 2010, human remains were found by a farmer, David Das. He was on his tractor inspecting fences over his 700 acres in the Blue Ridge Mountains. The location of her remains were found in a very remote section about 10 miles from the arena where she was last seen. And investigators didn't release any information about her death but then her parents confirmed she had been raped and that her murder had been very violent and that bones had been broken. Oh. Yeah. Because of her level of decomp, they couldn't determine the cause of death, but they knew enough to know bones were broken, including her nose. Yeah, not good. And her Pantera t-shirt was found in November of 2009 outside of an apartment building about a mile and a half from the arena. But it wasn't until April of 2010 that the forensic test confirmed it was the same one that belonged to Morgan. So did somebody just find it and turn it into the cops? Dur- I believe it was during the big search they had. They, they found- saw the Pantera. Okay. okay. Yeah, it, t- it took that long to confirm it was hers. There were hair follicles or, you know, on the on the shirt and the DNA. The shirt had her DNA on it with her hair and the DNA of someone else. So the DNA was a match for DNA that was collected in 2005 from another attack in Fairfax, Virginia. A young lady was grabbed by a man while walking home from the grocery store. It's like every woman's nightmare. He tried to rape her, but it was interrupted by a passerby and fled the scene. The woman was able to give a description of her attacker, and they made a sketch based on it. He was a large black man with short hair, maybe buzzed, but unfortunately, they were unable to find him, and the DNA did not match any known offenders in CODIS, so Morgan's case went cold. Hannah Elizabeth Graham was born on February 25, 1996, in Reading, Berkshire, England. At the age of five, she moved with her parents to the U.S. and embraced the change. She was optimistic, happy, personable, and extremely loyal to her friends. 
She hoped to pursue a career in global public health and intended to apply to a special program in this field at the University of Virginia. On September 13, 2014, when Hannah was a sophomore at UVA, she was on her way to a party. But around 1.20 a.m., she texted a friend and said she was lost. She didn't make it to the party that night. Maybe she just went home or something. But when she doesn't show up to class and no one can get a hold of her, she's reported as missing. Kind of like in Morgan's case, the police started looking at surveillance footages from places she may have been. But luckily, she was on a lot of the footage. She was actually seen in several stores footage in the downtown mall and outside near the mall area. At one point, a large black man with long dreads walked by her in the opposite direction, and it's like then he notices her and then turned around, and you can see him following her. It's so sinister to see that on a CCTV footage. Ugh, just, and she's none the wiser at the time. Soon after, she was on camera at the Tempo restaurant with the same man and he had his arm around her. A witness who was there said she seemed drunk and that he didn't look too friendly. Another witness said they saw Hannah near an orange 1998 Chrysler Sebring telling the driver, I'm not getting in that car with you. And it's not the witness's fault, but man, like, yell something. I don't know. Oh, there you are. I was looking for you. Yeah, Yeah, something. She seems drunk. She seems, and he doesn't seem friendly, and she's, Yelling, I'm not getting in the car with you. I don't know. No, I know what you mean. Like, it's not their fault, but at the same time, it's like, ugh. I don't know. Could have been another female afraid to say anything. Who knows? But I wish they would have yelled something or called someone. I don't know. In the meantime, police were searching for Hannah. On October 18th, 2014, Human remains were found at an abandoned property in Albemarle County by searches from the Chesterfield County Sheriff's Office. They were positively identified as the remains of Hannah Graham. Police released that Hannah died of a homicide by an undetermined etiology. So basically, she was murdered, but they don't know what the exact cause of death was. Because of the amount of witnesses that saw him and all of the footage of Hannah and this unknown man, he was easily identifiable. He was 32-year-old Jesse Matthew Jr. Jesse had a criminal history. Shocker. Yeah. While he was a student at Liberty University in Lynchburg, and then at Christopher Newport University, he had been investigated for allegations of rape. And all he did was leave the school. That's it. Neither case was ever prosecuted. What? Yeah. The girl at Liberty was 15 years old, and she was just there for debate camp with her high school. Oh, my like with God. with high school kids. She reported the assault to the university police, and she was questioned for hours. <sighs> they talked to Jesse and basically said, well, he denied having any contact with you. Then she told them that the girl's only dorm's camera would prove his entrance and exit and that she had his DNA under her fingernails from fighting back. Then the police said, well, he did say he had contact with you but claimed it was consensual. The police wouldn't even collect the evidence, like the skin cells from under her nails, and they made a female debate coach take photos of this girl, naked, So you're violating her again. Yeah, without permission from a parent. 15-year-old girl. Her parents filed a lawsuit against Liberty University. And I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty because it's a lot. I went down a whole thing about it. But 12 anonymous women, most of whom are former Liberty University employees or students, have signed into the lawsuit that claims that the university, quote, enabled on-campus rapes and suppress complaints of sexual assault and rape. The lawsuit claims that Liberty University silenced them, and sometimes these women were punished under their honor code called, quote, the Liberty Way. I don't like that. That's a whole rabbit hole. 
I'm just repeating what these articles said and what the lawsuit said, but not good. So police searched Jesse's car and apartment, but because of insufficient evidence at the time, they couldn't arrest him yet. During the search, they took some of his clothing and other items, and he even voluntarily went to the station to be interviewed. But after the interview, he got in the car and hightailed it out of the parking lot, like high-speed recklessly. So, of course, this turns into a high-speed chase, but he's able to get away. A few days later, a woman on a beach in Galveston, Texas, just so happened to recognize him and called police. He was arrested for reckless driving and taken back to Virginia. Like, he didn't even have to drive like that out of the parking lot. Right. He could have just quietly left. I don't know. But he still claimed that he was innocent. And at this time, Hannah's body wasn't discovered yet. And he wouldn't tell police where she was. It's like, too bad, dude. Your DNA matches. You're on camera. You're screwed. Yeah. In October of 2014, Jesse Matthew Jr. was officially charged with attempted murder. Object sexual penetration. Hate that. I hate that. An abduction with intent to defile for his 2005 attack, the Jane Doe. On February 10th, 2015, he was indicted for first degree murder of Hannah in addition to abduction charges. On May 5th, 2015, prosecutors announced he would be charged with capital murder. On September 15th, 2015, he was a he was formally charged with first-degree murder and the abduction with intent to defile in the murder of Morgan. Jesse pleaded guilty and received four additional life terms on top of his sentencing from Hannah's case and the t- 2005 Jane Doe case. He also has no possibility of parole. In 2019, Jesse Matthew revealed he was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer and is receiving medical treatment. During a phone interview after he found out about the cancer, they asked him if he was sorry for the crimes he committed. He said, quote, I don't think I can answer that question right now truthfully, maybe in another interview. All they're asking is if you're sorry for the crimes you committed. Like you're, <sighs> in, li- you're in there for life, just no empathy at all. Uh-huh. Nothing. Morgan's mother, Jill, said, quote, Though I do appreciate updates on the status of Jesse Matthew, we're not interested in learning about his inevitable demise. We're not invested in retribution. What we wanted was to have Jesse Matthew, the back-to-school killer, stopped. That has been accomplished, and his horrific crime spree is over. We've worked determinedly since Morgan's murder to protect other young women and their families from the anguish we suffered at the hands of Jesse Matthew. We're incredibly committed to education, victim outreach, and legislative activism as we try to help save the next girl. Help Save the Next Girl is a nonprofit organization formed in honor of Morgan, and their mission is to sensitize young women and girls to predatory danger. They also provide outreach support to the victims' families. And Jill also has written a book in Morgan's honor called Murdered and Dead for Good, A Mother's Quest to Find a Serial Killer and Healing. And I'll link that up in the show notes. And my sources were Medium, Investigation, Discovery, ABC News, and People. And I just realized today that there's an episode on, it's called like Very Scary People. I think it's on oh, HLN yeah, about yeah. it. I didn't watch that, but yeah. So that's the back to school killer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So technically not a serial killer. Right. But could have easily been one. I remember this case vaguely. Something about the Pantera shirt yeah. rang a bell. Yeah. But I don't know from what. But I didn't know there was another victim. Yeah. I think she was on a disappeared episode maybe, before yeah. maybe that's where it was from. They realized that other people were involved, but yeah. Awful. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break. Okay. The cicadas might interrupt you. Where? Outside. You hear that loud buggy noise? No. Are your ears hyper? I don't know. Are you a a werewolf? Maybe I am. (laughs) Okay. 
Henrietta Lacks was born August 1st, 1920 in Roanoke, Virginia. Her birth name was Loretta Pleasant. And her family isn't real sure why she changed her name to Loretta or from Loretta to Henrietta, but she did. Interesting. And her nickname was Henny, which is cute. Yeah. When she was four years old in 1924, her mother died after she gave birth to her 10th child. Her dad moved the family to Clover, Virginia, where the children were kind of distributed among relatives because oh my gosh. he's like, I can't take care of 10 kids, which is sad. Yeah, that's awful. So Henrietta ends up living with her maternal grandfather, Tommy, in a two-story log cabin that was once the slave quarters on a plantation that had been owned by Henrietta's white great-grandfather. Mm. She shared a room with her nine-year-old cousin and her future husband, David. Were they related? I'm assuming. They've got to be related. Oh, yes. no. So Henrietta worked as a tobacco farmer starting at a very young age. She fed the animals, took care of the garden, and basically just busted her ass in mm. the tobacco fields. I feel like back in these days... That's what you did. Yeah. You worked on the farm. My my grandparents did. Yeah. My paternal grandparents were sharecroppers. Yeah. They picked cotton. Yeah. Lots of farming. Mm-hmm. So she went to a designated black school a few miles away from the cabin, but she dropped out when she was in the sixth grade to help support her family. Max is in the fourth grade. I can't imagine him having to drop out in two years. That's so young. You're just a little girl. Oh, man. They did that all the time all the back time. then. Yeah. So in 1935, at 14, Henrietta had her first child, Lawrence. Her daughter, Elsie, was born four years later, and she had epilepsy and cerebral palsy. Back and then, they probably thought it was witchcraft. Well, they called her, her family had bad nicknames oh, for this gosh, yeah. poor baby, but i yeah. not... Mm-mm. Mm. So, in 1942, the couple moved to Maryland and had three more children. Henrietta gave birth to her last child at the John Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore in November of 1950. Elsie, the little girl that had the disabilities, Mm -hmm. was placed in the hospital for the Negro Insane, which was later renamed Crownsville Hospital Center. Thank God they renamed it. So they even segregated in mental institutions? Yes. And she passed away at the age of 15 in 1955. So historian Paul Lurz says that it is possible that Elsie was subjected to a procedure where a hole was drilled into the patient's head to drain fluid from her brain, which was then replaced by oxygen or helium. Oh, my god! To make it easier to see the patient's brain during x-rays. So, I mean, we're no stranger to this. They did all kinds yeah. of crazy experiments on the mentally ill yeah. oh my and goodness. those with disabilities. I don't know. I wasn't there. But I would have to imagine at an all-black mental institution, they probably treated them even well, worse. Well, they treated them awful at every yeah, mental exactly. institution. Yeah, So in January of 1951, 30-year-old Henrietta had just given birth to her fifth child when she found a lump on her cervix and began having unexplained vaginal bleeding. She had previously told her cousins that there was a knot, and they assumed that she was pregnant, which she turned out to be. She felt it. She she could feel it. I can't even feel the baby now when she's feeling a knot. Ooh, that's not good. Well, and then she found a lump on her cervix, so she had to have felt it internally. Man. Like felt maybe something, oh, and man. so she physically felt it, you know, like with her hand. Yeah. yeah. So she goes to her family doctor who sends her to John Hopkins in Baltimore, which was the only hospital in the area that would provide treatment to black women at the time. There, the doctor took a biopsy of the mass he found on Henrietta's cervix and diagnosed her 
with a particularly aggressive form of cervical cancer, malignant epidermoid carcinoma of the cervix. Later on in 1970, physicians discovered that she had been misdiagnosed, and it was actually adenocarcinoma, but the treatment would have been no different. Hmm. She did not tell anyone, not her husband, not her family. She would just tell them she had to go to the doctor and get medicine. Oh, my gosh. So the standard treatment was radium therapy. And during her first treatment, she was sedated, and the surgeon took a sample of the tissue from the tumor. He passed this on to the head of tissue culture research at John Hopkins, Dr. George Otto. So taking samples from a person for research was a routine practice at the time. I mean, it still is. They'll take Mm -hmm. samples. But back then, the doctors didn't have to have your consent. Wow. And most of the time, they didn't even tell you that that's what they were doing. They would just take it. And most of the patients, completely unaware. The cells that the doctors took from Henrietta's tumor were placed into a culture dish and labeled HeLa, which is the first two letters of her first and last name. The researchers expected that the cells would multiply a few times and then die because that's what most cells samples did. Mm Mm-hmm. After her first treatment, the doctors discharged Henrietta from the hospital and she went back to work in the tobacco fields, oblivious that they had taken her cells for research purposes. In the lab, the HeLa cells not only remained alive, but multiplied at an incredible rate. Dr. Gay told his colleagues that his lab had grown the first immortal cell line in history. What? And shared samples of the HeLa cells with all these other doctors. So after Henrietta's initial treatment, the tumor shrank. So it seemed to be working. But by September, her cancer had spread to most of her internal organs. On August 8th, 1951, Henrietta went to John Hopkins for a routine treatment And she asked to be admitted because she was having severe abdominal Mm -hmm. pain. I mean, she's ate up with cancer. Yeah. She received a blood transfusion and remained in the hospital until she passed away. October the 4th, 1951, she was 31 years old. A partial autopsy showed that the cancer had metastasized through her entire body. So she was ate up. She was buried in an unmarked grave at the family (gasps) cemetery in a place called Laxtown in Halifax County, Virginia. If it was a family cemetery, why is it unmarked? They couldn't afford headstones. Yeah. Man. Henrietta and her family are completely unaware that she had just left behind an extraordinary legacy. Just wait. Yeah, I don't know what immortal cells means, So I guess you're going to tell me. (laughs) George Gay, the first researcher that studied Henrietta's cancerous cell, like I said, noticed that these cells were reproducing at a very high rate and could be kept alive long enough to allow more in-depth examinations. Most cells just die. Mm -hmm. Like they can't live outside their host, which is your body. Mm -hmm. Hers could. So up in, like I said, up until this point, um, cells would die after a few days, which wasn't long enough for them to do very many studies on them. They just didn't have the time. But hers were the first that could be divided and multiplied multiple times without dying, which is why they became known as immortal. Hmm. After her death, Dr. Gay had his lab assistant take further HeLa samples while Henrietta's body was at John Hopkins' autopsy facility. Oh my gosh, so they're still taking samples from her. From the samples that the lab assistant collected, Dr. Gay was able to start a cell line from Henrietta's sample by isolating one specific cell and repeatedly dividing it, meaning that the same cell could then be used to conduct just tons of experiments. Hmm. The ability to rapidly reproduce HeLa cells in the laboratory 
led to so many breakthroughs in biomedical research. Gay was able, like I said, to isolate the one cell, multiply it, and it was used. So this represented an enormous boom in the medical and biological research community. It's estimated that the total weight of all the HeLa cells ever grown is over 50 million metric tons. Wow. Huge. So by 1954, Jonas Salk was using HeLa cells in his research and developed the polio vaccine. Holy crap. I didn't know where you were going with that. To test his new vaccine, the cells were mass-produced in the first-ever cell production factory. Chester Southam, a leading virologist, injected HeLa cells into cancer patients, prison inmates, and healthy individuals to observe whether the cancer could be transmitted, as well as to examine if one could become immune to cancer by developing an acquired immune response. So they're testing using her cells from that one thing that they took from her and multiplying it so many times that now they're trying to see if they can create like a vaccine for cancer to see if you can, you know, they can develop it. So HeLa cells are in high demand and like I said, put in mass production They're mailed to scientists around the world and used for research in cancer, AIDS, gene mapping, and are used to study the effects of toxins, drugs, hormones, and viruses on the growth of cancer cells without experimenting on humans. They have been used to test the effects of radiation and poison to learn more about how viruses work and played a crucial role in the development of the COVID-19 vaccine. Man. So HeLa cells were the first human cells to be successfully cloned and have since been used to test human sensitivity to tape, glue, cosmetics, and many, many, many other products. There are almost 11,000 patents involving HeLa cells. In vitro fertilization was developed using HeLa cells. And they were the first to be placed in a spaceship and go into outer space on a space mission to see what would happen to human cells at zero gravity. What? Is this not fucking crazy? I'm looking at pictures and they're actually very pretty. The cells. They're very (laughs) colorful. So although these were the first cells that could be easily shared and multiplied in a lab setting, John Hopkins never sold or profited from the discovery or distribution of HeLa cells and does not own the rights to the HeLa cell line. They offered the HeLa cells freely and wanted other scientists to use them. Mm -hmm. So in the early 70s, a large portion of these you know, cell cultures became contaminated. Members of Henrietta's family received notice for blood samples from researchers because they wanted to know if anybody else in her family had the same genetic Mm -hmm. cells that could be reproduced. Her family's very confused because they're like, why, why do you want our blood samples? They had no idea that any of this was going on oh boy at all because they didn't have to have permission to take them yeah so in 1975 the family learned through a chance dinner party conversation what? that material originating in their mother and sister's cells was continually being used for medical research they had never discussed her illness or death among themselves after she passed and with all of these people contacting them, now they're like, okay, we, we've got a ton of questions. Neither Henrietta nor her family gave her physicians permission to harvest her cells. Mm. But like I said, at the time, it wasn't required. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. How do you go back and... You can't. Like, you can't, you can't sue, sue the past. Right. And that if that right. was the law, how mm-hmm. do you... And in the 80s, your family medical records were published without... <sighs> 
cannot any consent. You, there was no HIPAA. Oof. So in March of 2013, researchers published the DNA sequence of the genome of a strain of HeLa cells. The Lacks family found that out when author Rebecca Skloot told them. So she wrote an article for, I believe it was Rolling Stones magazine. And she told them, like, basically, there's so much of your genetic information that's available for public access. So Henrietta's grandchild, Jerry, said his biggest concern was privacy. What information was actually going to be out about our grandmother and what information can they obtain from her sequencing that will tell them about her children and grandchildren? It's true. So the same year... Another group working on a different HeLa cell line genome under the National Institute of Health submitted it for publication. In August of 2013, an agreement was announced between the family that the NIH gave the family some control over access to the cell's DNA sequence and founded um, two studies. So as long as they were getting acknowledgement, they knew what was going on, they were okay with it, but just to publicly put it out there yeah, for anybody and everybody. I mean, I'm not a scientist and I wouldn't know what to do with it if I didn't yeah. see it, but it's kind of an invasion. That's your DNA. Yeah. That's scary. In October of 2021, Lacks Estate filed a lawsuit against Thermo Fisher Scientific Research for profiting from the HeLa cell line without their consent, asking for the full amount of their net profits. I mean, yeah. Right? If people are making money off of it. The family. Billions. Is, this poor woman doesn't even have a grave marker. Well, she didn't even know that her family, <sighs> yeah. she had been dead for mm-hmm. 30 years. That's so wild. Before her family knew anything about this. Mm. So in 1996, Morehouse School of Medicine held its first annual Gila Women's Health Conference And the conference is held to give recognition to Henrietta Lacks' cell line and the valuable contribution made by African Americans to medical research and clinical practice. And the mayor of Atlanta declared the date of the first conference, October the 11th, Henrietta Lacks Day. In 2010, John Hopkins Institute for Clinical and Translational Research established the annual Henrietta Lacks Memorial Lecture Series to honor her global impact on medicine and research. In 2011, the Evergreen School in Vancouver, Washington, named their new school focused on medical careers, the Henrietta Lacks Health and Bioscience High School, becoming the first organization to memorialize her publicly by naming a school in her honor. 2014, Lacks was introduced into the Maryland Women's Hall of Fame, and in 2017, a minor planet and an asteroid belt was named in her honor. Isn't that crazy? It's about time. No shit. Wow. In 2020, Henrietta was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. On October 13th, 21, the World Health Organization presented the Director General Award to Lawrence Lacks, the only surviving child of Henrietta and recognition of her unknowing contribution to science and medicine. The chief scientist for the World Health Organization said, I cannot think of another single cell line or lab regenerate that has been used to this extent and has resulted in so many medical advances. In March of 2022, U.S. State Representative filed legislation to award the Congressional Medal of Honor to Henrietta Lacks for her distinguished contribution to science. So this award is one of the most prestigious civilian honors given by the United States government. In June of 2023, the Loudoun County Public School Board members approved the name of the new school, the Henrietta Lacks Elementary School in Aldi, Virginia. The school will serve 960 students from kindergarten through second grade, and it's expected to open in August of 24. And there is a film called... I was about to say, there needs to be a movie. Yeah, there's a movie called The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks that was released in 2017 with Oprah Winfrey playing 
Deborah Lacks, Henrietta's daughter, and it's based on the book by the same name, mm. The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, that was written by Rebecca Skloot. So, that's the story of Henrietta Lacks. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And there has since been a headstone put up at her grave. Good. But just in the last few years. I mean, I'm assuming this case had a lot to do with informed consent in the future. And HIPAA and all of that. It's so, it's so crazy to me that no money was paid to her family. I know. And all of these researchers. Yeah. All of these medical advances. All of these vaccines in vitro. Medical testing. And and they're still using it. It is still multiplying and going. Yeah. I mean, she probably would have consented at the time if she knew what amazing things would become of it. Sure. But it's just that they did it and no one even knew. It's also very crazy to me that Mm. her family went so many years without them, anybody in, in... the scientific world, the research world, the medical world, the World Health Organization, the mm-hmm. government, acknowledging her publicly. Right. It's like it takes until just recently. Right. It's almost a century. Right. Yeah. Well, it's almost. it has been a century since she was born, but mm-hmm. in 2050. Man. Just this whole thing is very interesting to me. Yeah. I know it's not crimey, but... Technically, laws, well, laws weren't broken, but laws were made. <laughs> but I feel just, like this is too smart for our podcast. It's not very, me learning something. <laughs> oh, my God. What I'm am I going to do with this information? I'm a huge nerd. Now you know. Now you know Henrietta Lacks now is the scientists reason. scientists can listen to this podcast. Exactly. Recommend us to your local scientists and doctors. <laughs> it's, That's very It's very interesting. It's very fascinating. See, science is fun. I like a change of pace every now and then with, you know. Doesn't always have to be gloom, doom, and gore. Science is fun. See, look at that. And what an amazing legacy to be a part of for her family. I have like my grandma's meatball recipe. (laughs) Listen, I can go for some meatballs. But yeah, that's incredible. Pretty, pretty amazing. So all because of this woman who had this horrible disease. They were able to take her cells and I had no idea. And we now know all of these things and we've learned all this. We were able to save so many lives. So many babies have been born. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. It really is. Man. I'm a nerd, Lacey. <laughs> well, it's funny because just the other day, Samuel will recommend our podcast sometimes to like interns or students who he's working with. Sure. Which I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. Well, he had dinner with one of the professors or one of the professor slash doctors he worked under when he was in residency who was like a mentor to him uh-huh. and he's retired and all this sure. stuff. very smart guy you know well respected he's like oh he was asking me about podcasts and i told him to listen to your podcast and i'm like no don't tell him that <laughs> like no Lacey's he's like, gonna hate it i'm the sweet the sweet one i'm not the f-bomb dropper no, i'm like i'm like he probably listens to really smart podcast. Hey, I listen to really smart podcasts. Well, I'm you obviously do because <laughs> I didn't know about that. But I'm just saying, I'm like, uh, oh, thanks for recommending us <laughs> thanks, to your mentor, <laughs> Lord. If you're listening, hi. Hi. Hi, smart people. Oh, boy. That's, that is very interesting. Maybe Samuel will listen to this episode. Probably not. Or if he does, he'll pick it apart and be like, Ashley said this wrong. <laughs> I'll ask him after this if he's heard about this Ever situation. Uh, before you get started, you know, today, which is... In our time, the 25th. Our time, July the 25th, is Emmett Till's 80s, would have been Emmett Till's 82nd birthday. I didn't know that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Tell me something happy. Well, this isn't happy, but I did oh. Last week, when we were talking in Michigan, we were talking about how Andrea Bowman went up for adoption at nine months yeah. old yeah, and how yeah. hard that would be. And I did not know the circumstances behind the adoption. Well, because I, you know, was like, I need to look that up. I did and found some interesting information. I found that her birth mother, Kathy Turkanian, was looking for her shortly before <gasps> she was murdered. By her adopted dad, Dennis. So this is an add-on from 
my case from last week, if you're you're new here, Kathy ran away from home when she was 14 years old. She joined a traveling carnival and fell in love with a 19-year-old boy when she was 16, and she soon became pregnant. They got married and tried to be parents to the daughter they named Alexis, but their young relationship just fell apart. Kathy returned to her mom's home with baby Alexis, but her mother talked her into adoption. She said Alexis was five months old when she placed her up for adoption, not nine months like the article said. Okay. Kathy said when she placed Alexis into the social worker's arms at five months old, she held back tears and promised her she would see her again someday. Oh, my God. I know. And she thought it was the best thing for the baby, you know? She said that her fantasy was that Alexis went on to have the best life with a great family. She told herself she would wait until Alexis was a teenager before she would look for her. Unfortunately, she learned that her daughter had a closed adoption, so she was stuck. She couldn't search for her any further. Then, in 2010, she received a letter from Social Services asking her to get in touch. (gasps) She was excited because she thought she would finally get to meet her daughter But instead, they told her that she had gone missing when she was 14 years old. They would only tell her the state in which Alexis went missing. She and her husband became internet sleuths and discovered that it was in, discovered that her new name was Andrea Bowman. And then she hired a PI to help find Andrea, passed out flyers, did anything she could to help with the search. Oh, my God. So sad. Then in November of 2019, she found out the tragic news that Dennis was responsible for her daughter's murder. Kathy Mm -hmm. said she plans to have her daughter's adoption annulled and have her name legally changed back to Alexis. She said, I'm having her cremated and bringing her home with me. She's my child. She belongs with me. No mother would do otherwise. And when I'm buried, she'll be buried with me. So freaking sad. Oh, my God. That's heartbreaking. And Brenda, the adoptive mother to Andrea or Alexis, never acted like a mother to her. It's just. That's it so broke my sad. Heart. Like, she thought she was doing the best thing for her baby. And, oh, my God. She couldn't have predicted something that awful. Lord. Mm-mm. Like, why did I look that up? Why no, did no, you? But, and then tell us about it. Oh, anyways, do you have any good news? Um, I'm going to Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Finally going on a little Yeehaw. vacation. Other than that, went to Shania Twain. Super yes, fun. Loved seeing the pictures. Had a great time. It was yeah. 10,000 degrees outside in Texas heat. I don't know how you did it. It was hot. It's hot indoors here. It so. was Ooh. hot. But we had a good time. It was super fun. I loved all the outfits. We had a great time. Super country. Loved it. We, we were uh, living our fake country life. Fake country life. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I went to see the chicks, and I felt really out of place. I don't have cowboy boots. I don't have any any country-looking clothes to well, wear. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, there were some outfits at this Shania Oh, Twain. I believe it. I can only imagine. Some of the outfits, I was like, good for you. You are a very confident woman to wear that. You look amazing. And then some of them I were going, nope. Yeah. No, that's a no for me. Lots Am I country <laughs> enough to be here? I might have the accent, but I don't have the wardrobe. You don't have the fits. I don't, I don't know what the country people do, but. Oh, well, I'm going to bring this up. Did you see the, the Carly girl? Yes, yes. Did you read any of it? I have not because I've, I've been busy. I've only read, well, basically, I think all that has been provided is her attorney spoke up and said that. She lied. She lied. She did not get. <sighs> abducted there was no child none of that was real they haven't released information on why and i don't know if they will and they don't have to i don't think but i'm going to assume she was at a real low didn't she get fired from her job see i've heard because we were talking about in the office yeah, and i'm not like, sure what I her life this, is like and i heard that and so it's I, I don't want to speculate and say anything on here and then somebody come at me because i don't know i haven't yeah, i don't know either I'll I'll do some deep diving and I mean I, look into this. I would feel like she would be thinking the whole time, "This isn't good. I'm screwed. I'm going to get in trouble." There had there had to be a reason. Like, you, yeah, something was going on. Something I mean, you yeah. don't just do that. No, no. 
Yeah. Yikes. But um, our new summer camp shirts are in as of today. I know, I'm so I'm excited. excited. They're so, real cute. Yeah, they are our new summer camp edition shirts for patrons. Well, the patrons get them free that we've emailed and blah, blah, blah. That's already taken care of. We'll be mailing those soon. But we'll be selling our leftovers. So be on the lookout on our Instagram and Facebook page for that. We'll post the picture mm-hmm. and figure out how to get them to you. They're cute. They are. They're really cute. We got them done at a local print shop, local shirt shop, ARTs, great quality. Not like the print-on-demand stuff. I mean, these suckers are screen printed. Yeah. They're meant to last for multiple years of summer camp. <laughs> and you'll see what we mean when we post them. But um, And they it is abbreviated US of M, so maybe you can get away with it. You can wear it. It doesn't say murder on it. It does say have a killer good time. But, I mean, that's slang. That's like – That's, yeah. That's surfers say that, right? Like, I don't know if somebody Surf? says that. How many surfers do you know? None. I'll be honest. I don't know a single surfer. Ask me that next week when I get back from Florida. Is Just it, kidding. Is it? Wait. Next week? Yeah. Wow, I, it's next week. I could take a dunk in the ocean right now. I thought you were going to say something else. And I was like, oh, lazy. Not Do we a, need to take a break? Oh, my God. Listen, don't put anything past a pregnant lady. I'm hey, just listen. saying. Jacob, are you still there? Are you still <laughs> Jacob our, from our Alabama. Patron? Well, good news is I'm not puking anymore, if anyone wants to know my update, but I have round ligament pain. I don't know what that means. Basically, it means cramping in on the right side of my stomach, which freaked me out at first. It's from like stretching? Yeah. I don't think I got that. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, no one wants to cramp when you are pregnant. It's right. Like, <gasps> I don't want to cramp it ever. Yeah. And it's... Uh, well, thank you for it's sharing. Okay, but it, it's okay, but it's hurts it doesn't feel good not as bad as the nipple pain but (laughs) that was the worst that no one prepared me for sorry jacob tenderness i will never get over that as long as i live people telling me tender oh Oh, just you wait i know anyways join patreon get one of these cool shirts for free check it out go to patreon.com slash united states of murder go to our facebook we have the link Go to our Instagram. We have the link. Join us. We do bonus episodes every month. We release early ad-free episodes. I don't know what else we do because it's hot and I'm delirious, but we <laughs> do a like, bunch of stuff. She's like, it's hot. I'm done. We mail you some stickers. Anyway, we'll be in Washington State next week, right? That's right. All right. Bye. Bye.